0: This week's episode is brought to you by K16 Solutions. Whether you need help migrating course content to a new LMS platform or are looking for a more affordable way to archive student data, visit k16solutions.com to learn more about their migration and archiving solutions. That's k16solutions.com. for many students who drop out of college and later return to finish their degree, that decision to go back is primarily practical about advancing in their careers. And that was definitely the case for Gina Peterson, a 42-year-old in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She had done a year at the local Kirkwood Community College right after high school, but she stopped out because she just wasn't sure what she wanted to major in or do with her life. Years later... It was a coworker who started nudging her to go back to school.
1: She uh, was like, you have to look into this because I had made mention a couple of times about going back, you know, it was like, oh, man, I really want to get out of this position, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, if you're serious, Kirkwood has a program where it's, you know, six to eight week classes and you're done after you finish, you know, the certain set of classes.
0: The efficiency of that plan really appealed to Gina. So she finally signed up for classes and started the program while keeping her full-time job for a local tech company. Other students return to college because they see a window of opportunity opening that could help them find a new path. For Tim Lum, a 34-year-old in Honolulu, that window of opportunity was the COVID-19 pandemic. Tim had tried an auto mechanic school just after high school graduation long ago. And for years, he had wanted to try college. He was also getting more and more concerned that the two jobs that he had been working in restaurants just weren't enough anymore to keep him afloat. So when those restaurants shut down at the start of the pandemic back in March, 2020, he made the shift.
2: I was like, oh man, we're gonna get him unemployment. I'm gonna have all this time. I'm going back to college. Uh, I thought I had, like, oh man, this is my only chance. You know, this is only chance that I'll have so much time.
0: Tim was so excited to make the most of this moment that he enrolled in not one, but two programs. He started an online coding boot camp through Kingsland University. And he also started an associate's degree at a local community college, Kapai Olanai Community College. But for some students, the desire to return to college and finish a degree is about much more than a career. Paul Carr had stopped out of his dream school, Morehouse College, with just one semester to go before graduating, and his plan had always been to go back and finish school as soon as he could. He still hadn't done so a few years after dropping out, when he rushed to his dying father's bedside. And Paul made his dad a promise that no matter what, he would complete that degree. Yet somehow, more than 20 years passed since that promise. Paul and his wife raised three kids. He started a business and a nonprofit. Going back to get his degree remained that goal in the back of his mind. The thing he meant to do someday. Then that someday happened. Last year, he read an article in the Washington Post with the headline Morehouse College to Launch Online Program Aimed at Helping Black Men with Some Credits Finish Degree. That was his college, Morehouse the only place he had ever really wanted to go. It was a place he had grown to love in the three and a half years he spent on its Atlanta campus. And now the college was setting up a program that he could take from his home in the Detroit area. He actually had a sense this was coming because a friend of his who works at Morehouse had given him a heads up. The first day the application opened up, Paul applied.
3: I I think I named the essay uh, I remember. And I just... I I went back and I talked about all of the various things that I remembered about my experience there. And then I talked about remembering what my vow to my, my father was before he died. Um but I but I, I wanted to um draw on those memories and use those feelings, like put myself back in that space of what I was feeling.
0: Drawing on those memories must have worked. Because Paul got into the program. And like all the students we spoke to, he was excited about the opportunity to get back on his educational path with a stronger sense of purpose than the first time around. But there were also nerves. Because over the years since they'd last been in a classroom, these students had changed. Paul remembers having a voice in his head asking, can I hack it?
3: It's not a competition, but it is. It's with a competition. You're competing with yourself. Am I going to be able to handle this with being a father and a husband, being a, at that time a caregiver? I was caring for my mother. Yeah. Um, having a career, can I manage all of this?
0: Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge podcast, a weekly look at the future of learning. I'm Jeff Young, a reporter and an editor here at Ed Surge. This is the second episode of a series we're calling Second Acts, where we're digging into the struggles of returning adult college students. Over this three-episode narrative series, we're following the educational journeys of three college students from different backgrounds and different parts of the country. Along the way, we'll also meet some of their professors, academic coaches, and other folks working to help them succeed. And we hope to get beyond the typical recommendations of policy briefs and white papers and get at the heart of the college completion effort. In our first episode last month, we told the story of how Gina, Tim, and Paul stalled out of their first attempt at post-secondary education. And we learned the complicated set of reasons that led to that decision. This week, we're gonna find out what their return to the classroom was like, what the colleges did to spur them on, and the ups and downs of being back. Gina works from home for her day job, so she has no commute to her online classes at Kirkwood Community College. She does her work and school in the very same room, and many days she starts into her college work right after clocking out of the job. She jokes that she kind of pivots in her chair to symbolize the change into study mode.
1: I'm in this room 12 hours a day. Between work and doing schoolwork and stuff like that, I eat two meals in this room a day, at least, sometimes three. Um, And it's got no curtains. That way I can get all the sunshine and it doesn't seem like I'm, you know, trapped and
0: captured. The program that she's in at Kirkwood is called Flex Forward. And it follows an educational model known as competency-based education. The approach has been slowly growing over the past 10 years or so as a way to try to better fit college into the lives of working adults. The idea of competency-based education is that students can take classes at their own pace, and if they already know something being taught, they can sort of place out of it if they can demonstrate that they have this so-called competency. After all, there are some things adult students like Gina have learned in their careers already. So if Chena feels confident about something on her syllabus, she can race through it, knowing that she'll be able to pass the test on that idea or show she knows the material by doing a required activity. So this is
1: where, this is where all the magic happens.
0: The magic, and she is being a little sarcastic here, is a pretty dry-looking list of activities and assignments. Each class has, like, the table of contents, which gives you the whole entirety of the class. Students are given seven weeks to get through all that material, and turn in the assignments on their own. This online program doesn't have any classes that meet at a set time. In other words, Gina never joins a Zoom room where the professor and the other students are there. Everything is go at your own pace, on your own schedule. In fact, the only contact Gina has with her professors is to turn in her assignments and tests and get them graded. Or if she reaches out to a professor with a question. Some of her favorite profs have checked in by email to see how she's doing. But as she points out, they kind of already know based on her activity in the online system and the scores that she's getting. Gina admits that this format has its pros and cons.
1: Pros totally go at your own pace within that seven weeks. Do it on your own time. You're not, you're not adhered to be in a Zoom class at any certain time. You know, things of that nature. But some of the cons of it are you don't get that one-on-one teacher interaction, right? You don't get that face-to-face. You don't get the learning
0: environment. You have to create your own learning environment. Sometimes that learning environment involves turning to other people in her life. Like the time when she was stuck in a statistics course and asked a good friend who's an aerospace engineer to tutor her a bit on some key concepts. But there is one person at Kirkwood who Gina turns to the most. It's her assigned coach, Megan Airy. Every Tuesday during the program, Gina connects with Megan for half an hour about how things are going. It's like talking to a friend every week.
1: Uh, We have a really great relationship. So some of the call is about personal stuff. Um, Most of the call is about class. Some of the call is about me griping about the class. Some of the call is her talking me off the ledge. Some of the call is, okay, we've gotten it all out of the way. What are your goals for the next week? So the main takeaway of the call, all the other stuff is is fantastic. But the main takeaway of the call is, okay, you're at this point of the class. Where do you expect to be next week?
0: The coach is not there to answer questions about the course material. In fact, I reached out to Megan, Gina's coach, and she notes that business, the focus of Gina's program, is not really her thing.
4: No, I do not have any business degrees. <laughs> but, but that's not what it's about, right? The content belongs to the faculty. And any content questions they have go back to the faculty. Um, I am there as the time management connection to the rest of the college, kind of the program expert, outside of course content. um, Which I think is is what is really helpful for folks because when they have a scholarship question or they have a, you know, financial aid is a big deal, especially with working adults who, a lot of them are also paying for their kids here at Kirkwood or other institutions. Um, So I've had a lot of financial aid conversations. I've learned a lot along the way in those areas. But yeah, just talking about, okay, so I know you like to, you know, coach your son's baseball team, and you also do a lot of -of out-of-town camping. So normally you take a full schedule. I'm thinking part-time for summer, because that's just going to fit your life better. And those are conversations the student and I can have that otherwise they might just say like, well, I'll just do what I always do. And they might not fully think about all of the other things that they have going on. And those are the questions that I can ask and the conversations that I can have with them.
0: Megan has been doing this for years, working with dozens of students every week. I asked her, has she had any of her advisees that slipped away and left the program despite her efforts?
4: I definitely have folks who step away for super valid reasons, right? Maybe they're welcoming a new baby, Um, they're taking on a really large project at work, Um, they're moving, maybe their financial situations have changed, things like that, totally valid. And oftentimes those students will take time off, come back. That's the other beauty of our program. It's not lockstep. You can come in and come out. You can take any course at any time. Everything is offered every semester, um, which is also really great when you're transferring other credits in too, that you don't have to all start at the same place, because they're not. So that way they can really fit it in with how it works for them. Students who are just not successful are often students who procrastinate because seven weeks goes by really quickly, um, and you really you really got to get started right away. Um, students who miss our meetings, who don't check in with me, those are often students who do not complete. Um, So I think that that check-in, that accountability is so important. And sometimes students figure out that this isn't the right format for them. I've had students switch to in-person or regular online because they need those regular due dates. They need to come here in person to be held accountable. Um, And that's okay.
0: The model has been working for Gina, who especially appreciates those check-ins. She says they've kept her from what has been her biggest obstacle to staying in the program. It's
1: easy to get distracted isn't, is completely not the right word, but it is the right word. Because again, life happens. It's easy to get derailed.
0: After the break, what happens when a returning adult student tries both a coding boot camp and a traditional college program at the same time? Stay with us. What do UCLA, Old Dominion University, University of Memphis, and Miami-Dade College all have in common? Well, they and hundreds of other institutions have used K-16 solutions to help them migrate to their new LMS, then archive their student data. Traditional LMS migration options, like manually migrating courses one at a time, or using bulk migration tools that leave the content fragmented and incomplete are simply outdated. And so too is archiving student data on an expensive legacy LMS or in unreadable cold storage. Introducing System Migration and Data Archiving by K16 Solutions. System Migration is an automated solution that allows you to move online content from one LMS to another, capturing details such as course structure, quizzes, tests, and even question pools. And with data archiving, administrators can archive student data on K16's platform at a fraction of the price and access that data quickly and easily at any time in their new LMS. Finally, an LMS migration and archiving solution that's kept pace with the rest of technology. To learn more about K16 Solutions' products and services, Visit k16solutions.com. Now back to the episode. In Honolulu, Tim Lum found himself with not one but two college programs to adjust to, since he started both an online coding boot camp at a local for-profit university and a two-year degree at his local community college. And that gave him an interesting window into the differences between a traditional higher ed model and an upstart boot camp program. He says the teachers he's had at the boot camp, they knew their stuff, but they were much less experienced at what he called the art of teaching.
2: And it was definitely more about taking skilled programmers and having them try to teach, you know, people who don't know how to code at all.
0: And the class sizes at the online coding boot camp were kind of huge, starting out with about 150 students. Tim says the first classes felt tedious and
2: chaotic it's because it's online as well as a group of 150 people like it felt like it would take forever just to get uh past you know downloading a program and then you have uh because they say oh you don't have to know how to do anything all you have to do to do is turn on your computer and that was terrible because you have yeah these people who it's like oh my god where's the file you know and that one person out of the 150 you know it takes like 10 minutes just for them to figure out how to open up a file kind of thing. And it, that was an ongoing process for at least the first few months. Um, oh no. And then yeah. you know, the class whittles down. And then finally, you know, you have a group of people that understand at least a decent amount of information. But yeah, like there's, you know, all of everybody's paying about 10 to $15,000, you know, and they're all like, I want a new life. Basically. That's what it felt like they're saying, you know, by coding, you know, through coding.
0: Tim could definitely relate. He was there for a new life, too. And he says the demographics of the students were very different in the coding boot camp versus the community college. In the boot camp, most of the students had first done a trade school, like he had. And many seemed skeptical of traditional college. Just like in Gina's case, everything at Tim's boot camp happens online. But unlike Gina's competency-based program, the boot camp happens mostly
2: in live zoom sessions uh it would be three live sessions per week two uh five hour sessions and one eight hour session with a hour lunch break so 16 17 hours of in class time that's a lot it, it definitely is and i mean i'm not used to or i wasn't used to sitting at the computer for so long so even that takes some time and getting blue light glasses because my eyes I don't know. I I definitely understand how, like, tiring it is just to sit in front of a computer all day. The boot camp does have the benefit of focus, he
0: says, since it was designed to help prepare students for what a certain kind of computer programmer needs to know. The
2: best thing the coding boot camp did is kind of show you how a um, senior developer thinks and how they work. But as well as, I mean, of course, you learn the languages at the same time, too. But college education will definitely give you the skill set understanding of how to create the programs that developers use um to, and then i guess that's why it, and i know that's why it takes so much longer um, because you need all these levels of math and you need to have like these really in-depth detailed discussions on what a program really is you know, hardware and software
0: tim also gives props to the coding bootcamp for focusing on helping students with their career skills. To do that, the university worked with a company called PathRise.
2: It was like kind of like another class that we took on the side uh, that helped us you know, create a resume as well as uh, work on our LinkedIn, go over interview questions, negotiation, and kind of how to get a job after. I think because it was so specialized specifically for full-stack development, it wasn't like, oh, what? direction do you want to take?
0: Meanwhile, Tim has generally had more positive experiences with his teachers in the community college courses, which have all been online because of the pandemic. They mostly took place on Zoom as well. This past semester, Tim was taking classes in chemistry, pre-calculus, art, theater, and he had an online chemistry lab. He says the consistency of the curriculum and assessments at the community college have been higher than the Wild West feel of the boot camp. Even so, Tim admits that some professors at the community college are far better than others at working with a non-traditional student like himself.
2: Especially within the first week or two, I can tell, you know, if an instructor can understand different perspectives. And so from that point, you know, it kind of uh, decides for me, like, whether I want to continue asking questions or just, you know, get whatever information I need from them and then whatever else online.
0: For the community college professors he doesn't feel connected with, Tim says he's more likely to just rely on going back over recordings of those classes to dig out what he needs when it comes to doing homework or to study. And he says he often pauses those lecture videos when he's lost to go find a YouTube video that explains the same
2: material better.
0: But Tim says there are other professors who go out of their way for him.
2: If you ask them, they're like, oh, they'll make an effort or they can actually explain it in a different way. It's really nice when a teacher can give different examples, like one real life example, as well as, you know, maybe a more logical, like chart factual based example, you know, like the different learning styles. One example of that
0: is his favorite professor, John Rader. He admires this professor, even though Tim failed one of his classes in pre-calculus and had to retake it.
2: He has a great way of speaking and you can tell that he's like, Utilized his skills in speaking at, and translates that into math. You know he has catchphrases. He engages. He pushes his students to respond, or else he doesn't move forward. And he he puts in that extra work. You <clears throat> know he tries to find every angle he possibly can in order to help you, which is really cool.
0: Raider is an assistant professor of math at the community college, and he's been teaching there for about ten years. His specialty is teaching math courses that prepare students for science tracks. The professor had never taught an online course before the pandemic, and then suddenly he was teaching everything online. When COVID first reared up, he had just 48 hours to convert his in-person courses to online. Whichever way he's teaching, he says he tries to convey that he wants to help students succeed.
5: I think that my message comes across to the students, whether it's That I'm here for them, that I'm present, that I'm actively engaging, and I want you to be actively engaged and to try and to not worry about, you know, being wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. You learn through mistakes. You learn through those things. Better to be wrong in class than to be wrong on the exam, you know?
0: This professor says he's really missed being able to read the room, especially since he doesn't require his students to turn on their cameras in Zoom classes. Many of his students are returning adults. He says that over the years when he's taught courses that are in the evening— as many as half fit that description. And they usually make themselves known.
5: But I, I can definitely tell the older adults because they're typically the ones that will come up to you first out of all the students. You know, hey, I, I want you to know who I am. And, you know, I'm a, a, I'm going back to school. I worked in this. They They always are the ones that are forthcoming. It's the 18 year olds that will be like they'll show up they'll take their notes, they'll get their syllabus, and then they'll walk out and not have a conversation with you. It's the older adults they are just like, hey, I was in the military. Or, you know, it's really refreshing to have a conversation with an, an adult who, you know, is rational.
0: I asked how he got to know Tim when everything's online and they've never actually met in person.
5: I think that I've had enough conversations with him because he's come to office hours, because he engages in class. He tries to, you know, participate in the classroom. And, you know, do more than just show up, take notes, and go home. Or in this case, turn on Zoom, take notes, and turn off Zoom. Um, and that's the thing. I, that's why I encourage all my students to do is you need to be communicating with your professors. We're not just uh, you know a knowledge resource. The library can do that. You know you can go to the library and find out everything about college algebra or trigonometry that you wanted to. You could read the book, but why is it that you, you know we specifically rely on teachers? to engage in the way that we do. Why do we have classes set up the way that we do? And so, you know, part of it is, yeah, we're we're experts in our field and we should be good at teaching. That's a that's a whole another story for another conversation. Not every teacher is a good teacher. <clears throat> but for students, we're also resources not just for knowledge. We're resources for experience on that and engagement. The the students who end up being very successful in college are the ones that Yes, they have to study. And yes, they have to learn how to take tests. And yes, they have to learn how to return knowledge back to the professor, you know, in the format that they want. But I think it's the the ones who really engage with their professors, the ones who realize that we have knowledge that's beyond the classroom. We know what it's like to be a college student. All of us that know what it's like to at least be a master's student. So like we can, you know, talk about those levels. And we know the pathways that they're going on to. So like career-wise, we know where students are going to go. If you're interested in physics, my first question is well what do you want to do in physics? And I have a physics background just so we're clear also. But cool. when students tell me, "Oh yeah, I I love physics." I'm like, "Well, if you want to study physics, what do you want to do? do you want to do theoretical physics? Do you want to do engineering? Do you And and then they say, "Oh, engineering." All right, what do you want to do? Mechanical, chemical, electrical, bio Like I think that we as have these knowledge and information that they don't even consider. And I feel sad for those students who don't even use us as that resource. They just go on their own and, you know, they have the internet nowadays, which is great. But, uh, you know, it can be overwhelming.
0: Unlike Gina, who is in a community college program tailored to adult students, Tim's community college program is just the standard offering. Though he says he has taken advantage of the college's financial support systems to help stay in school.
2: The college actually helped me to survive the pandemic Um not maybe not as much as unemployment, but definitely like there are times where I was like, oh man, you know, unemployment has come in, you know, I like have zero in the bank account, you know, what am I going to do? And then the college, you know, sends out uh, information on like, oh, equity, you know, like basically a program where, you know, you receive money for being a student, you know, who is going through a financial difficulty. And, you know, those that happened maybe three or four times. And each time I received probably about $1,000, maybe $1,500, and it, yeah, definitely helped me to survive as well as continue, you know, going to school. Otherwise, I would probably have to, um, you quit school and go back to work, you know, like full time.
0: One thing that is most connected Tim to campus turned out to be the college's student government called Student Congress. Tim ran uncontested for vice president, and he says the job pays about $11 an hour and takes up two to ten hours per week. It has given him a window into the struggles of other students, and has introduced him to the programs the college has to fill those gaps. The Student Congress has met with school administrators, and even done surveys of students during the pandemic to see what their challenges are.
2: Through our survey recently, we found out that yeah, money problems and school workload are the two top problems, or the most stressful things for our students currently at KCC
0: even with all the supports that he's found. Tim says he has faced plenty of challenges. One of those challenges has been figuring out what classes to take. He says at first he didn't understand what the rules were around electives, for example, and he thought it didn't matter what he took, which is how he wound up in a theater class because it sounded like fun. But he has since learned that other electives could have sped up his progress toward his focus
2: in computer science. I don't know if this is how it is with all the universities, but yeah, like planning the like the steps to take, and you know having an efficient, uh, I guess what I plan <laughs> it is so tedious. You know, it's cumbersome. It's tiring to try to figure out. You know, okay, oh, are these classes available? And you know, oh, this one's not. Okay, maybe I'll we'll put this one here, and then. In two years, maybe, hopefully, this one will, be, will work out there, kind of thing.
0: And there's just the amount of time it takes to do both the coding boot camp and community college.
2: God bless my girlfriend. She's super understanding. You know, like, I pretty much wake up, uh, you know, eat, do the morning ritual, and then on the computer until maybe, like, five, six, maybe seven some nights. Like, really bad days, like, when there's projects due and then exams. Yeah, you know, I I'll be on the computer until, like, ten at night and just... Uh, going crazy.
0: So it has been hard to stay motivated, even with the steadfast support of his girlfriend of two years. And Tim has found that going to college in this way can be a
2: truly isolating experience. Whenever I try to talk to people about college, unless they've gone to college, like they don't really understand. Like, you know, you're learning pretty unique things uh, or pretty like specialized information, and it's You know, as humans, we want to share everything, right? Like, especially with our significant other, we want to talk about things. Um, With Coding Bootcamp and college, uh, once I start talking about, you know, what my problem is right now, it's like, oh, man, this is so difficult. I'm trying to figure out how to finish this or do this project. Um, Anything further than that, you know, then uh, I can see it going completely over my girlfriend's head, you know, and then she's kind of like, uh... (laughs) And I want to, I want to talk about it, but it, there really isn't anybody that I can talk to about it. Yeah. I mean, other classmates, I guess, but then there's like, you know, that separation from being everything, being online. So it, yeah, it, it's weird. Yeah. I think continuing motivation and having conversations with myself has probably been one of the hardest things to uh, deal with.
0: In Detroit, Michigan, after years of hoping to finish his degree at Morehouse, Paul Carr finally set about making those hopes a reality, planning his work and family life around his new classes. His two sons are now in their 20s, and his daughter is in high school. He fits schoolwork throughout his busy day.
3: I have, you know, working with my family, I have the the, the ability and option to kind of leave the office and work from home, so... Often I'll leave, you know, around around lunch um, and then I'll go home and I'll work on Morehouse stuff. Um, I might do some other things from for the nonprofit or I might finish up things that need to be done here, Um, but I'll I'll go home and work on some Morehouse stuff. So whether it's doing my readings or watching the uh, lectures, the recorded lectures that the professors do, or if it's responding to a message board prompt
0: and Paul does have live online classes via Zoom some evenings.
3: Yeah, they're like 7 p.m. So they okay. they did it so that it would for, for those guys that are taking classes that are West Coast is still doable. You know, it's like four o'clock there their, their times. Yeah. So it might be finished enough their day, but um, so eight is a little too late because yeah. you got guys dozing off. We're old. I mean, I'm on <laughs> you
5: know I mean? yeah. so
3: guys like getting those. You know, if you if you have a professor that's monotone. You might you might dose no different than you know on campus.
0: That juggling is tough to manage, he admits, and adjusting to the online format
3: has taken some doing. I'm somewhat tech savvy, but I'm tech savvy with the things that I know. So this was a new experience, right? I hear so you. I had done like a digital campus. I hadn't used these tools, these online tools, and navigating that it it felt just like. Figuring out where I needed to be on campus where is my class what what hall is it in you know where what office do I need to go to to speak to who I, I love
0: am it in? yeah the labyrinth of, of in of in person yeah, but this yeah, was
5: absolutely. the virtual
0: version there's one class that Paul says it really epitomizes the experience for him at Morehouse online it's a course in professional communication taught by Morehouse professor Keisha Tassie.
3: she doesn't allow the online um the challenges to online learning and the online experience to be a crutch or an excuse for us. And that is extremely more house. Like there are no excuses. You got to get it done. Um, our neighbor Clark Atlanta university, their motto was find a find a way or make one. Um, and it's, even though that that that's Clark's, um, that's CA u s That's kind of like an Atlanta university center thing is that we're going to make it happen. Um, regardless and i think that that's very much a um a a part of what it is in black in the black community in america too is that you know there's always been adversities. some are very well known some are not as well known that are even ongoing but we we are charged with making it happen um and we, we we hold very dearly the fact that we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors who did more with less often. And so we don't have any excuses. We have laptops and cell phones and, you know, we have to get it done. So she wasn't taking, you know, any, um, any BS from us.
6: Something that's very unique about me, I think, is behavioral, uh, behavioral excellence.
3: That's Keisha Tassi that Professor
0: Paul was just talking about.
6: So part of my responsibility is not just to teach the content or the discipline of communication, but to also teach my students behavioral excellence. Because even though communication is one of those disciplines that can apply in many areas, behavioral excellence can apply even more, right? Um, and, And to an even greater extent. And so the point is not just getting the A, right? The point is behavioral excellence that may not have earned you an A this term, but may earn you an A next term or that will help you to get that promotion at work, right? But these are ha- these are habits that we need for successful lives. And so I'm very invested in making sure that my students create behavioral excellence. It's very, I mean, it, ever since term one, one of the things I hear on the first evening is we've heard about you, Dr. Tassy. the word is out. We've heard about you, Dr. Tassy. or I was, you know, I thought the last day of the term, I was so scared to come into your class because, and so the word is out there. Sometimes I get a little sort of like, you know, I'm not sure why the word would be out there. Cause I think you should be seeing, you should be getting that from all of my colleagues, right? I shouldn't be a standout. That said, I take that on as my responsibility. Um, because I just think that it's important to make sure that even though it might be, Hey, primary reason why I'm back in school is to check that box. Um, I need to make sure that my students, whatever small part that I play, I need to make sure that my students, when they walk away with this degree, that it's applicable to different areas of their life and that there are some life lessons learned that they can apply in, in different areas.
0: For Keisha Tassie, that is what being at Morehouse is about. In fact, she left a tenured job at another university to join Morehouse about nine years ago.
6: I'm not at Morehouse by mistake. This is not just a job for me. I have three sons, right? Three Black sons. And I tell my students, when I look at my sons, I see you. And when I look at you, I see my sons. I'm that invested. You know, one of the reasons I'm here is because our student base in particular, you know, they have a target on their back in the, in the Western world, particularly in the United States. And it's meaningful to me to equip them with as much as I can to be able to face the challenges they face simply because they were born into the body they were born into. And um, whether that is you know sharpening the intellect, sharpening the habits and behaviors, sharpening um, you know, how we respond to challenges, again, resilience, uh, not taking no for an answer, confidence, challenging others, not just how you respond to others challenging you. Um, you know, racial pride, all of those things, that is all very meaningful to me. And I don't, I don't beat around the bush. We have very direct conversations about that. I'm at Morehouse for a reason. And I could be teaching communication anywhere. I'm teaching communication here, and I'm not going to teach communication here, as if I'm teaching communication anywhere. I'm teaching communication at Morehouse as a Morehouse faculty member in service to our mission. And so, Um, That comes through directly and that comes through indirectly. Some students get it in the moment. Some students get it later because they're annoyed by the grade, whatever it is. But they get it at some point. Um, And so Morehouse Online has just been an extension of that for me.
0: To Paul, that spirit that Keisha Tassie embodies is what has made him most excited to be back at college.
3: It felt good. It was to be reassured and reaffirmed that I am home. You know, I knew I was home. I'm here. I'm back doing exactly what it was that I was doing at 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, um, that not much had changed.
0: And he says that just like when he was at Morehouse in person, the students have found a way to support each other. In this case, a key channel has been an online discussion group on GroupMe that one of the students started during the program's
3: orientation. It was the best thing that could have ever been done because ultimately what happened is um, there were a lot of us who didn't know how to navigate things. Who do I talk to in financial aid? And those of us who had been on campus knew the routine. So we were helping. Yeah. We yeah. were helping each other get through. What a great it. network. It was, I wanted to drop the F bomb. It was freaking amazing that he, number one, Devin thought to do this. And then everybody jumped in and some of us have met, but many of us have it. But I, I promise you, I would not have gotten through this year, especially taking care of my mom, if I didn't have this network of brothers. It's just like being in the dorms. There's jokes, there's discussions, there's encouragement. That encouragement
0: has been especially meaningful for Paul, who was caring for his mother in the advanced stages
3: of dementia when the program began. I mean, when my mom died, these guys, they bought, uh, they antied up privately without me knowing and sent an arrangement for her. They bought um, trees oh. that were planted in her honor. And we've done this for other people who have had losses because a lot of us had losses immediately, like starting the school year. Calamities hit, you know, people had um, medical issues or problems with their financing. And we pooled money to get no different than if we were in the dorm and we were taking care of our Morehouse brother in like right there in the dorm it was it's been beautiful
0: still paul admits that this brand new online program has had some
3: glitches probably inevitable for any new program he stresses you know we talk about being pioneers it's like the pioneers the t- the cities are never named after the the trailblazers who cut through the brush and carved the path nobody knows their names they're all you know you know lewis and clark and that's it Nobody knows those explorers that were brave enough to be the, you know, the ones that carve through the unknown. The town is usually named after those who come later and settle. Right. But it's never the ones who, who forged the path. Um, and that's us. And and we've had discussion. I say, guys, we're not going to get, nobody's going to remember this. We have to know that we did this, that we took these lumps and these hits and went through some of the, Difficulties on figuring out what it's like to be the inaugural class and help Morehouse figure it out. You know, there's a you know Drake the rapper. He's got a song and he says, and, and, "And they don't have no trophies for this." You know, we're not we're not getting we're not getting awards. You know, we do it because we can, and we're we're cut for it. That our our backs are, are broad enough to to carry this this load and. It's a sacrifice, and we uh, like for me, I do it because I love Morehouse. I really, really love this school.
0: So it took some doing, but all three of these students, Gina, Tim, and Paul, have been getting into a rhythm. They were back on track and determined to get their degrees. When I met these students about six months ago, all of them were near the finish line. They were racking up credits and could see the end in sight. Will they make it? We'll find out on the next and final episode of Second Acts. This has been the Ed Surge Podcast. Every week, we bring you explorations of innovation in education. This is installment two of our Second Acts series, following these three returning adult students as they try to finish their degrees. To make sure you don't miss the finale, make sure to follow the Ed Surge Podcast wherever you listen. And please take a minute to give us a rating or review. It helps support the show. This episode was written and produced by me, Jeff Young. And I'm on Twitter at JR young. Editing this episode by Rob McGinley Myers. And special thanks to Becky Koenig. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast series is made possible by support from the Lumina Foundation. We'll be back next week with a regular episode of the Ed Surge Podcast and back in a few more weeks with the final installment of Second Acts. Thanks for listening.